Hello, welcome to MikeyPod Podcast, episode 298 for August 24th, 2020. Today's guest is composer-performer Carl St. Lucie. We'll be talking about their most recent piece, Different Stars, and the process of premiering a new work while under quarantine. It's really fascinating. The piece itself and our conversation about it was really great. Um, I know you're going to love it. Anyway, I'm your host, Michael Herron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for 15 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons on the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com, or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron, or you can email me MikeyPod at gmail.com. I am really excited. I'm on a roll with a podcast. This is the fifth week in a row. <laughs> it sounds like baby steps, and I guess it is. This is my fifth week in a row to have a podcast up on Monday, as promised. Last week's came out late in the morning on Monday. That's okay. It still came out on Monday. This one is getting wrapped up and ready to go. I'm going to have it ready for patrons on Saturday. And then on Monday, it's going to go out in the middle of the morning, in the middle of the night, early morning. It goes out around midnight on the... Uh, West Coast, 3 a.m. on the East Coast. And I don't know what time that is anywhere else. That's okay. I don't need to talk about that. The exciting thing is I'm getting this done. Like one of the things, and, and I sort of touched on this last week, this frustration and sort of malaise from being under quarantine, it's yuck. Um, but this past week, I really have made an effort to be like, okay, today I'm creating this, creating that. Um, I'm teaching just a little bit, but um, I got a remix done that I've been working on for um, my friend and collaborator, Luke Curtis. Um, I got to work on this bird video that I've been doing. You'll probably see that next week. Um, and then I got my, um, I got some things going. I'm, I'm, I'm taking advantage at last of this space of being under quarantine and not having a lot of work, which is maybe a little scary, but things are going to pick back up, right? Right. Um, that's really all the check-in I have for you. Um, I have some good interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, I've been feeling really happy about the podcast, so I hope you're loving it. I'd love your feedback um, if you have any. As I mentioned last week, I hear from podcast listeners rarely, but I see you downloading it, which is great. So if that's all you want to do, download it. But if you have like thoughts about the podcast or you just want to check in, I sincerely would love to hear from you. I'm talking to you, person who's been listening to this thing for 15 years and I've never heard from you. You're the person that I want to hear from. <laughs> that sounded creepily uh, creepy somehow. Okay, so before we go on to uh, music and the interview, I want to thank, as always, the patrons who make this podcast possible. Um, I've been moving some things around over on Patreon um, and it's kind of cool. I've been getting some different kinds of feedback and I'm focusing and putting some more energy there. So if you like this podcast and you'd like to support it, and if you'd like probably, I think it's around 43, 44 bonus podcasts, um, that go, that are available the minute you subscribe on Patreon. So you can subscribe for as little as five bucks a month and you get early access to this podcast. You get bonus podcasts, you get zines in the mail, you get behind the scenes stuff, you get all kind of great stuff. So if you're into that sort of thing, check it out. Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. 
Um, the more happens there, the more I can do with like the podcast and this other stuff. So that's enough about that. And enough about me. Let's talk about different stars. And well, you know, there's not a lot to talk about because we're going to talk about it in a minute. When I talk to Carl St. Lucie, the composer of this song we're about to hear, it's called Love and War. It's from the song cycle, Different Stars. And well, here it is. Yours. 
from the song cycle Different Stars. That was Love and War by Carl St. Lucie. And joining me now is Carl St. Lucie. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad you're doing this. I And I feel sort of not embarrassed. Embarrassed isn't the right word, but this like, wait, why are you just now? Come, why have I never talked to you on the podcast before? But I'm glad we're doing it now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, 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 it's weird times we're in, but I'm just so glad to be here now. Yeah, so I loved your show, and I don't even know where to start. There are a lot of different things um, that I want to talk to you about how you accomplished this thing. So I just saw the premiere of a video of this song cycle called Different Stars, which is for four singers, and you accomplished something really cool. So tell us about what Different Stars is. Oh, okay. Um, well, Different Stars is um, kind of a piece that I've been working on for the better part of the last decade. Um, it, it started as like me writing breakup songs out of my first breakup, like going into NYU practice rooms and sobbing, coming out with a song. I would like sing it and throw it on YouTube, just like, ugh, like just from my shitty like iPhone 6 onto YouTube. Um, and I ended up with 40 songs. Wow. And so it's it was my it was my attempt to communicate with my first boyfriend who uh you know it was a dramatic relationship dramatic breakup um and it, it really was just that it was just like therapy for me um but a few years went by and I kept writing and you know I had all these songs that I thought were really good and I was like you know and I've always felt with my own material I'm like I I, I do love to perform Form, but like I'm not always like the most interested in like I, I did get into musical theater because I love collaboration. Right. I do love the experience of writing something that then someone else performs. So I was like, surely there's some version of this that like even though these are songs straight out of my experience, um, they can be sung by other people. So uh, to make a long story short, um, it's basically that except that, uh, you know, after a few attempts to get the show up over the years, um, this is the first time it's actually come to be. And in the moment of quarantine and of, you know, confronting police violence, um, Raquel, my director and I decided, or, or we had this conversation, like, how are we going to meet this moment? So, um, together we kind of were like, Oh, well, like, what if we just cast you and him? And then I was like, Oh, it's a song cycle for four singers. And actually that real life person, had two female best friends who were in a lesbian couple. And I was like, what if we set it in quarantine? We don't cast me as myself. We cast Jane. We, you know, we had James Jackson jr. From a strange loop on. And I was like, let's, let's cast James. Like he's a real actor and I'm not. Um, and like make this about a person who is, you know, during this moment of quarantine and, and in being in isolation, like finally, opening a box from that relationship. Like, you know, the idea is the ex kicked him out of the house and put all his shit in a box and said, please remove by, you know, November 1st, 2011. So the show is, it's a loose narrative. It is a song cycle. So it's not, it's not a traditional musical, but uh, it's songs in which this person sort of finally in isolation grapples with, the past and and with that relationship and with like the ghosts of that person and and his friends. The th- the thing that I love about it, it's the the show itself, the songs themselves are beautiful. Oh, thank you. But seeing 
seeing how you put this together, like, and I, I guess I'm having a hard time putting into words why I was so like, damn, like uh, <laughs> right now with our like, and and myself, I did a live show like a few months ago on um, Zoom, and I was just like, oh, let me just make this happen, and and I feel fine with having done that, but that's not what you did with this. <laughs> But it's also very, very, I should say at the top that this was not performed live. This was all pre-recorded. Um, and in fact, like it's become, I've become more and more convinced that like the kind of performance I'm interested, I think is, is, is that it, it's like, you know, it is, it's people in their living rooms in front of green screens, but it's not exactly accomplished live. You know what I mean? But I want to, but I did do it as a premiere. We did live stream it. I did like push the button to go from video to video. Um, cause I, I do think that giving people some sort of a sense of something unfolding live is still really important, you know? Yeah. And that's what it felt like, you know, and, and I thought it was going to be live and at first, and when I started watching, I was like, wait, this isn't live. What's going like, but it, <laughs> it had like a really live feel and it was clearly made during our current pandemic quarantine times yeah, yeah, yeah and and i don't i don't know is it true to say or does it fit for you that the pandemics well it, it did it became kind of a character right it became part of the storyline yeah i mean um i can talk a lot about that i mean basically you know my perspective is this quarantine was totally avoidable um you know it's a total failure of bureaucracy um, it's a travesty. It's a tragedy. Um, and it, it, there's nothing good about it. But um, at the same time, one of the things that I've seen people talk a lot about and, and that has been my experience is that is that, you know, quarantine is this moment of like, wow, here I am with all of my shit in my apartment. What do I do? You know, mm-hmm. and and I think that um, uh it, it, it gives us an opportunity to sort of reflect. Right. And so I think that for me, what I think James accomplished really beautifully was, you know, this person deciding, uh, you know, and th- this is not so much in the film, but this is how we, how we were thinking about it. Like this is a character who's been watching Netflix, who's been sewing, who's been doing all the shit that everyone's doing. And is finally like, and is just really disquieted. Mm-hmm. And decides I've got to do something else. I've got to do something else. Like, you know, whether it's like straight up therapeutic work or whether it's, you know, clearing something out of my apartment. Um, and I think that I, I, I don't know. I, I wish for everyone that we that we could seize on the on the gift of that, you know, the 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 gift that like we do have this time, like this unique time to just sit with all the shit in our house. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that to you as someone who's living in an absolute pigsty right now. Um <laughs> But, but yeah, like it's, it's always been important to me. Like what are the objects I keep around, you know, and, and what do they mean? And what does it mean that I still have them in my apartment? Um, does it mean that it's still occupying some sort of mental space that I need to examine, you know, the, the way that you folded everyone's performances, which were recorded in quarantine using whatever technology they had available at the time. Yeah, we shipped them all green screens. <laughs> ah, so I'm trying to get my head around both how you did it and what, what, why it was so impactful for me. And I'm sure. Yeah, so uh, the, I think there was a moment, and I can't remember which song it is, when I think it was the first time all the performers were on screen at the same time. 
mm-hmm. and you could see the various levels of camera. Like, <laughs> there's one camera that is like not crisp, and then yeah. others that are. But yeah. it was beautiful. Like that was really like ah, uh, like something about seeing that quote unquote imperfection really added a layer of today of the moment to the the video um as which that i really appreciated and then i go go ahead oh i was just gonna say i i have to credit raquel with that entirely entirely and in fact raquel um raquel was like i mean like i'm not i'm not ashamed to tell you that we were rendering the film like we were rendering the video for this like down to the last 20 minutes before the show because that's <laughs> that's showbiz baby and like raquel really wanted um if you'll notice in that song you'll see that like danielle who plays lauren her eye, like her eyeline to 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 olympia who's played by victoria is like way below what it should be and 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 raquel was like do you think you can move her back and i was like raquel like what's at the bottom of that frame is the bottom of the frame like if if I if I make it so that their eyelines match, that means that Victoria is going to be very small. So, but 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 to but to get back to your point, like Raquel was truly like we have to like lean into the kitsch of this. We have to lean into the like the closed circuit like public access television mm-hmm. part of this. Like and so and so that was really that was important for me because you know I'm such a perfectionist. I wanted I wanted to get all of the. I want to get all the chroma keying, you know, all the like when you turn green screen into something transparent. I wanted to get that perfect. I wanted to get the color correction perfect. You'll notice that there are times where like like in Astoria in particular where like the top third of my head is just gone because (laughs) because the front camera on my phone is busted. So all the filming I did of myself was on the back camera and I couldn't see it, you know, but it's kind of like, well, that's what we got. And that's what we're going to work with. Um but yeah, I think that like leaning into that aesthetic choice was was really helpful for me because it let me it, it helped provide I think kind of a dramaturgical basis for what we were doing that that helped me to get over some of my perfectionism and like what I imagine this could be if we had the budget of like Hamilton on Disney Plus. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and I think I think the thing that's hitting me with it is this kind of sense of empowerment as an artist. You mm. know, like I, I think I'm the type of person, and maybe you are too, that is like, oh, I want to do X, Y, Z, big idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wouldn't be able to do it like that. So forget it. Let me tell. L- listen, <laughs> I this is my process. My process is if I'm if I know I need to get something done, I book it. Mm-hmm. I I well in this case I had PR working for me, which I've never had before. Um, but that was a big fire under my ass. People just literally like emailing everyone press releases about the show, and then like inviting everyone whose work I respect. So like all of my career idols. So it's like if I don't show up to this, I will fucking want to die like that's the level of like stakes i have to provide for myself to get anything (laughs) done yep um and i think that's the only that's the only way we did it and truly like yeah like 30 minutes before we were went up like raquel and i were on the phone and i was just like i'm gonna barf i'm gonna barf i'm gonna barf and she was just like it's gonna get done we're good (laughs) (laughs) but like in its imperfection which it's imperfect, right? Like everything is. Yeah. There's this sense of like 
still there's a sense of adventure and pushing your own personal creative boundaries to make something better than just four squares uh, of a zoom call like yeah so and that's that's what you know like (laughs) i i mean i've had my own like and i want to get too much into this and make it my little therapy session but my like (laughs) my my creative world has been super like until just recently stagnant because of this like oh everything it just seems so hard it's everything just is so hard and but seeing that you put this thing together i'm like holy shit that must have been now that looks hard because you taught yourself (laughs) did did you teach yourself um video editing for this project or have you done that before i've edited one gay porn (laughs) um for Colby Keller a long time ago before he was a Trump supporter. And I edited, I have, so actually the clients I have, uh, uh, the, the guys who, who did my PR for this news travels fast, who were excellent. You should hire them. Um, they're also clients of mine on like the web design end. like I run, I manage their website and, um, uh, I did, I did edit a promo together for them for one, for an exhibit that they were working on. So I had at least opened the software and like generally figured out how to chop things up. But yeah, I mean, like I remember, like there were all sorts of things we wanted to do. And Raquel, um, Raquel was in charge of like going through all the footage and deciding what, what, what we wanted to use, what we didn't want to use, like specifically which takes and and um I'll, I'll put a pin in that and just say another thing that was so interesting about this was of course i wrote a book f- for this show um but like at the end of the day it's kind of like james james is an extremely in-demand performer who also runs like a pants making business for himself so like at a certain point, it's like, well, we've got from James what we're going to get. We've got from every like Danielle and Victoria. Danielle had to do all of her shooting in a day. And like, whereas I think with a with a regular film, you would you would have all the shots planned out and you would like do you would do them and do them and do them until you have exactly what you want. With this one, it was more about like, well, this is what we have like and this is what we had planned to do. But like, how can we get that action across even though we don't have exactly what we need? Um, and I thought, I, I, I found that to be actually really helpful because it helped me to sort of get out of the, the confinement of the book I wrote and just like, how do I, how do I elevate what the performers are just already doing, you know, and, and, and tell of like enough of the story I want to tell to get the point across. Mm. Um, and I forget what the thing I put the pin in was, what was I talking about before that? I don't know. I started oh, to yeah. make a note and then I forgot as I was typing pin in it. No, but, but oh, oh, the thing I was going to say, like Raquel, Raquel came to me and was like, I mean, listen, like this is like, you know, week two in this, in DaVinci Resolve, which is, which is the software I used. And she's like, I would like, if if it's possible, like I'd love for the photo like to transform to all of them. And I was like, Rick, like I have no, I, I said like there were some things that she wanted for me that I was like, that would take Pixar three months, like mm. with their staff. Um, and the kaleidoscope thing that happens in when Rufus comes to town, I, I truly had no idea how to do. I, for everything, I, I basically just like went on the internet and was like, went to YouTube and was like, how do I do this thing? And DaVinci resolves. <laughs> I like, I just, it's, it's that. And like now, now that it's over, of course, like I'm, I'm actually going through and like watching tutorials and like learning how to actually use the software. But it really was just like, okay, this is the thing I have to accomplish. 
what do I think it's called in like film production terms and how can I like find a free tutorial or, and like a bunch of free assets that I can use without having to, you know, pay anything and like do the thing. So it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of, and it was very hard. I will say it was very hard. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Um, I sh- we should mention Raquel is Raquel Cyan, who's yes. uh, she's been on the podcast a couple times before. So if you're listening, you're like, who's this Raquel? I want to know more about her. Feel free to search on MikeyPod.com <laughs> for Raquel Cyan, and you'll find two episodes where we talk about her. I can imagine her directing like in a time like this, conflicting with my inner like everything's too hard, everything's too hard, and having her. Is there a way you could, <laughs> you know, oh, X Y Z? She was, I mean, this was such a blessed collaboration. I mean, I think we were both so far off the deep end. Like, we were so beyond both of our levels of competency with this. (laughs) We were just kind of like, all right, well, we're going to figure this out together. And, like, if if it means, like, we're both going to be naked in our beds, like, sobbing to each other, like... (laughs) Socking it out, that's what we're going to do. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that is one of the beautiful things about the piece is that, you know, it's kind of apparent in certain things like like you were pointing out the top of your head cut off and like various other things that it's like, oh, they figured this out. Like, and it's that sense that's happening right now. Like, I feel like the majority of the performing theater community is like, oh, well, no theater now. We just don't do this now. Oh, and you, and you know, oh, were you going to say something? Else? I I'm, I have a lot to say about that. I right? want you to go and say it, whatever you're about to do. I think I just need to plant that seed. <laughs> I here's here's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on my soapbox for a second. Do it. So this show has been canceled by two acts of God. Um, in 2012, I was gonna do a premiere. It was gonna it was gonna be music directed by my friend James Olmstead. Like it was. It was like we were already there. We already had all the promo art, and then Hurricane Sandy happened, right? Mm-hmm. We were I, I've I've done these all as standalone songs at fifty fifty four below multiple times over the years. Um, but but it wasn't until this March that I was supposed to do another one, and that was canceled due to San uh, to not to Sandy due to COVID nineteen, and I really I I have to tell you like. And, and the, 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 the resistance that I've run into over the years from other theater professionals about trying to get this piece off the ground has been intense. And, and not, not to mention the fact that it's extremely personal and like the, the, the one person I wanted to reach with these songs never appreciated them. Like just the resistance that I've run into both internally and externally have been extreme. And so I, in in a weird way, I almost feel like this quarantine had to happen for this to, for this to get off the ground because it forced me to, it forced me into a conversation with myself about like, what is, what am I trying to do with this piece? You know, like absent of all the questions of like, what is a normal development path? Like whose dick do you, do you have to suck in the theater industry to get a reading and like backing and all that other shit like how do i pay equity rates you know all all the shit you have to do it's a moment in which i think you get you have to sit down and say okay why am i an artist like why the fuck am i doing anything artistic and how do i do it 
And I, I th- it, it, it's, it's annoying to me. It's annoying to me that that we're in this situation where so many artists feel so disempowered because of how reliant theater in particular is on like rich people deciding that it's worth their speculation. And so if there's, I mean, if there's any other, like, first of all, I really wanted the actors to look good in this. I wanted, you know, like the amazing actors who, who've given so much of their, their time and themselves in like a really time, like hard, time in the in the united states like i wanted to honor that but i also wanted to say like listen like you don't have to like (laughs) you don't have to please the right people like you don't have to like be dependent on the traditional way of going about things like you can you can be creative and you can do the things you want to do and i think that's also one of the reasons why like it was so important to me that it was free because i was like i I really, I mean, of course I'm really struggling financially right now. Like I, 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 I'm truly taking it just like day by day at this point, but I was like, I think that it's important that we disrupt. It's really important that we disrupt this industry and we start to ask questions about like everything that we've come to take for granted about how things get done down to the funding. And I have, I will also say like, um, Raquel herself, um, I mean, like this was basically done with no budget. Like, like we had to buy, we had to buy green screens for the actors. There were like a few little props we had to buy. I had to eat (laughs) to stay alive. (laughs) Um, So Raquel, like Raquel just like, like helped me out financially, like through this. So I, I, I mean, you know, she's not listed as like a financial backer, but she essentially is. Um, but all told like, and I have, and I haven't had a chance to pay the actors yet. I'm still working on that. But, um, but all told actors fees included, this comes, this came down to like less than a thousand dollars. I mean, and so I, I, I just think that we have way, like, I know I've just said a lot, but at the end of the day, we have a lot more tools at our disposal than we've been led to believe. And I think that part of the work of being an artist is in, just working with what you have, you know, and if what you have to say is, is important to you enough, you're going to find a way to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the things that we have is the internet. Yes. And that's big, you know, like this may not be exactly related, but it feels like it to me. And I think my perspective on this is uh, as someone who didn't never released music until um, streaming was well underway. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But this push from musicians of like, oh, Spotify only pays me a fraction of like whatever it is, a fraction of a cent per play, which sucks. But <laughs> before there was streaming music or, and the Internet, you no one would hear it at all. Like yep. unless you were backed by a huge record label, no one's mm-hmm. going to hear your music. Yep. So like it sucks and it still needs to be fixed. But... <laughs> People like I got my one play on Apple Music this month, so that's cool. Like, you know, like no one's really <laughs> listening to my music that much anyway. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like you know we get bogged down under. And granted, they're big things. Like there's a quarantine and all the theaters are closed, but there's still possibilities. But but you know, let me let me tell you something. Like, here's the other thing. Like those actors. They just had to do all that shit. I mean, of course, they like repeated takes and shit, but like 
when they were when they filmed, they were done. You know, it went up. We had 60 people watching it during it, which is, you know, like that's a that's an off broad like that's a decent off Broadway house sized audience. For sure. Yeah. And, and just in the past few days, like we I think we're I mean, I don't know the exact count, but we were like pretty close to five or six hundred views on this. So it's also like why why have we all been like sold this grift that we have to do all this crazy shit so that like we can like have the have the privilege of getting to mount this extremely expensive, extremely speculative art form that only like a teeny tiny number of people see at a time. You know what I mean? Of course I love live theater, but it's also like this is so much cheaper. It's so much more accessible. Like it, it can be viewed so many more times, you know, the potential, the potential for work to be, to, to have an impact, like, you know, not that I think that everything has to have like a social impact, but like, you know, you want your, you want your work to have something to say and you want, you, you want an audience like the, the internet is such a bigger and better audience than fucking off Broadway and Broadway theater crowds who are mostly like 60 year old women from Long Island anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And then I'm like, I feel like we should add like, that's cool too. Like I love live theater. Like it's not that that's not a good thing, but, 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 but you, but like here, here's the thing. And I, I, I use this as kind of like a, like a, like not a thought experiment, but like an example of, of why it, why like the whole thing is just so ridiculous, which is like, I remember in grad school, one of my professors, like we had a whole, we had like a business of theater class and we really sat down and, and, you know, nymph is no longer a thing, but nymph was very, very much a thing still in, in 2011 and 2012 and, um, sat down and talked to, to us about the financials of putting on a nymph show. He was like, okay. Nymph, so, just for people who are listening, New York music theater festival. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, so like not many people know this, but like Nymph basically doesn't give you anything. Like they give you a space and that's, and like, I guess they like publish the name of like the, the copy for your show in their materials, but that is literally it. You have to pay for the technicians. You have to pay for all of the equipment, you know, like broke it down for us and was like, literally like if you did a show, like the outcome was kind of like, if you do a show with like two actors and a very minimal lighting setup with just like, like black theater blocks in a black theater stage and like kind of talk through all the things that is a bare minimum of $20,000. And how many seats are in those theaters? Like 99 at the max. And the tickets are $25 a piece. Like there is, I mean, of course, there's no recoupment on investment. Like everyone who does Nymph or did Nymph when it was a thing knew that there was no recoupment on investment. But like all of that, all of the money that people pay is on the off chance that one person and like these teeny tiny little audiences that are paying twenty five dollars will will want to pay them a lot more money to develop it. And it's crazy. It's crazy that to even have like the privilege of anyone seeing it in the theater like as a sort of self-produced or like, you know, low level person who doesn't already have a name, like you have to invest a minimum of 20 grand of your own money, which you'll probably never see again. It's mm. nuts. It's nuts. So of course I love live theater. Of course, live theater is important, but, but we have to, 
we have to be talking about the classism of that. Like the classism of, 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 of what it means to have a successful career in the theater. And I just, it's just all, it's been so funny to me to like, you know, I didn't actually watch the Sondheim celebration, but like the fact that like so many actors and TV show hosts and like all this stuff, like are, are like, do not even know the very basics of like producing live stream content. It's just, it's such a, it's such a bastard stepchild art form that no one knows like even like months now into quarantine people are still figuring out and i just think that's so it's just interesting like why did no one take the time to think about what this would mean you know yeah when it became apparent that this is how things were going to be i don't know it's just people are still treating it like (laughs) like well we'll just settle for this uh-huh. Instead of like you know like treating the live streaming as like well we we just have to settle for the subpar thing, yeah. Instead of <laughs> what you did with your piece and found a way to turn it into something really, really special, you have to come. You have to commit to the medium you're in. Yeah, like, you know, like you can't. You like for, for better or for worse. Like this was the moment we had with this show. You know, this was it. Like there might be more opportunities in the future, but it's kind of like if I'm going to do this, like what are what how, what does it mean for this thing to now just exist on the internet for anyone to see forever? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, uh, I love this. <laughs> this conversation went totally a different direction than I expected, but I love it. I love it every yeah, yeah. every minute of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we should talk about your music and we have to kind of wrap this thing up because we're running out of time oh um, i love i love saying we're running out of time when really i get to make the rules about how much time there is uh, but yeah. that's kind of like my role um we listened to love and war at the beginning and we're about to listen to when rufus comes to town um can you tell me about let's start with love and war can you tell me what <laughs> maybe we should have done this at the beginning of the show but that's okay well tell me about the song love and war well, for one thing, I want to just I want to point out the Zach Sellison, uh, the guy who played guitar on all these songs and did all of the audio engineering, is a goddamn saint. Like I'm so grateful for his work. He truly did all of the mixes for this the week of the show, <laughs> and I just am so in awe of, of the work he was able to do. Levin, you you want to know about like narratively what they're about, like? Um, well, I was actually interested in what you just told me because I did want to know how because you played keyboard. From your apartment, obviously, he played guitar, and then each of the singers did their vocals from wherever they were, uh-huh. and just sent it all to Zach, and we're like, here you go, make well, it all together. So what I did, I mean, because all, I mean, of course, these songs have have all existed for a long time, and that's another, like, just to call back to what we were talking about before. It, th- one thing that made this process a lot easier is that all, like, I knew all the songs were good. I knew how they fun. I, I know how these songs function dramaturgically together. So it's not as if this project was all from scratch. Um, uh, so as far as, as far as the production goes, basically I, it, you know, the first thing was to find what keys these things needed to be in. Um, and I, and I, you know, of course wrote vocal parts, you know, for the ensemble numbers. Um, but basically, I sat down in Logic, which is um, which is like a, it's like an Apple, uh, it's an Apple piece of software, um, that's pretty good for audio production, and like basically played the songs on piano with a click track at the right tempo, and I sang every part, um, like on a separate track, and I sent like every different combination of all those voices, like 
just Lauren, everyone but Lauren, Lauren and Olympia, Lauren, Olympia and Reno, Lauren and Jane, you know, like every different wow. configuration and, and basically sent those files out to the singers so that when they were recording, they could listen to whoever they wanted to hear, you know, along with the click track. So, yeah, they sang along to the click track. I tried to be really specific about things like cutoffs. Um, and so, yeah, they, they I was basically their ensemble that they were singing with in their ears. And then, you know, I did my parts. I, I assembled all of those things together. I did all of the arranging. So, like, adding all the orchestral instruments, all the drums and all that stuff. And so Zach's, Zach's job was then in the songs where he played guitar, which is mostly Love and War, um, to, to, to do that. And then, um, yeah, to mix it, to make it sound good. Because I can arrange, but, I, but I'm no good at making all those like fake sounds in, in Logic sound good. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So that's Love and War. And that, that was a process for both of those songs, Yeah. All of them, yeah. So we're going to listen to When Rufus Comes to Town. What Do you have any backstory for this one? Yeah, I will just, I'll just, I mean, for both of these songs, I'll say like, and interestingly, these, these two, it, it may not seem like it at first, but these, these kind of do form a dichotomy in the sense that like love and war is about, that was me kind of being a bitch, like in the early stages of this breakup being like, listen, like I'm going to write something really big about this breakup it's gonna be like kind of made up but not really like you know i'm gonna change your name but i'm not gonna change a lot um um and also kind of giving myself an out right like this is a work of fiction um this isn't real i love lying to an audience it's like one of my <laughs> favorite things and then when rufus comes to town is like the exact opposite opposite of that where it's like this person finally getting to the heart of 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 the grief and or, or the mourning part of that grief, which is, you know, like I want I, I want to talk to you. I know it's not a good idea for either of us. I know I said that this was all fiction, but this is actually real. Like just you know so and as far as like where it where it lives in terms of my own personal mythos, like the thing that brought us together was our, our love for for Rufus Wainwright. Like that was such a big part of our relationship and our love for Joni Mitchell. And, um, I remember that after our breakup, there was a big Rufus Wainwright show scheduled in New York. And we were, you know, we were both people who would go to every single fucking Rufus Wainwright show. And, um, it was, it's, it's a song about anticipating seeing like after a breakup, seeing that person at that show and like maybe then finally having an opportunity to have a conversation that wasn't able to happen before, you know? Mm. All right. Um, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where can people find you and where can they find uh, the show? Different stars. Um, I would say for both go to www.differentstars.live. Um, I do have my own personal website at carlstlucy.com, but um, I need to, I need to rethink that because I, you know, in, in quarantine, I've, I've basically gone whole hog into live stream production as a career. And, um, and, uh, that website has, has very little to do with like my artistic work and with my live streaming. So I would say different stars live. You can watch the whole show. Um, um, when 
if and when it gets reviewed, there will be like a press section. There are there are cast bios and creative bios. So I would say if you want to know more about me, that's probably the best place to go because there's like a full bio for me there. Um, and yeah, this is this work is is kind of um, it's the culmination of, of all of the writing I've been doing for the for the past decade or, or so. Of course, there are other performances of these songs online um but i would say I'm, I'm considering these this kind of the place to go for now oh i love it and if you're listening you can always just go to mikeypod.com and there will be a link there um Yay. with all this kind of stuff that we need to know all right thanks for joining me carl and um this is when rufus comes to town Boy, I want to text you, but I'm tired of being so selfish. Boy, I really miss you, and I'm sick. From not seeing your number show up on my phone Do you really want to see me hurting? Well, if that's the game we're playing winning so get on that plane and say hi to row we may have been sisters in another life find a cafe off the champs elysees meet a man who seems to have everything i don't like a devil may care attitude who never frowns Maybe I'll see ya When Rufus comes to town Boy, I wanna tell you that I hope you're really happy No, I'm not being snarky But you should know I spent December browsing for engagement rings When I said that this was fiction I was lying Can't you see that when I sing I'm dying So get me a brain That understands why I have to live as if my best friend is dead But don't think of me if all that it does 
is make you angry, disappointed, or sad. I don't want to bring you down, but maybe I'll see you. comes to town and I'll say I'm sorry come on that was when Rufus comes to town from the song cycle, Different Stars, by Carl St. Lucie. I could not help but think while I was listening to that, the way that Carl said that um, they are unable to make the sounds in Logic Digital Audio Workstation sound good. That was all done in Logic. It's all done on a computer. That wasn't a real orchestra. It sounded pretty good. I got a pretty discerning ear, too. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed the interview and the podcast. If you're a patron, be sure to check out Patreon on Wednesday, where we'll talk more with Carl St. Lucie. And otherwise, I'll see you next week. I would love to hear from you. If I haven't heard from you, let me hear from you. And tell a friend about this podcast if you like it. Okay, bye.